let's dispense with the pre-roll. We've already done our pre-roll, and I'm not going to edit it back in to make it look like we're slick and cool. Let's just jump. Let's just do the thing. Let's do some pod racing. Pod racing. Welcome to the F1 Files. This is our Formula One podcast. Uh, it's a couple of best friends who are obsessed with this sport, have loved it for our whole lives, and are now enjoying and basking in the celebration of Formula One, the resurgence. I'm one of those hosts. I am Corey Willis. I am an actor, writer, improviser out here in Los Angeles, California. And I'm John Lapore, a creative consultant designing the future for film, technology, and automotive. Uh, all right, mm. so we are... One week out from the first race of the season. Wait, the season's uh, not halfway over already? It's not like it, it hasn't, it hasn't completed. This isn't like the penultimate race. We're not in like that week before Abu Dhabi already. You say that mm. because it seems that emotions are running high. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, certainly my takeaway from especially just being one week removed from yeah. the first race of the season, which was uh, interesting. We saw some stuff unfold. We saw, you know, Alonzo come out in force. We mm. saw Red Bull dominate in a pretty mm. intense way. Yep. And yep. my biggest takeaway is that it seems as though everyone in Formula One, from the media to the fans to especially the teams themselves, mm-hmm. are all having a red bull induced meltdown yes like yeah. it is like as if everyone has just been force fed like 20 cans of red bull and then asked to do some coherent decision making yeah like asked to do some like quiet contemplative meditation after yeah just being overly caffeinated yeah uh, and then stimulated by like strobe lights and it's like could you just sit quietly in this room and think to yourself on how to improve your own performance. And you, you, I mean, yeah, (laughs) this is Corey. This is, this is a sport that's no stranger to there being like a dominant force or a Mm -hmm. team that comes in and kind of like operates on a higher level than everyone else does for years at a time. It's like dynasty. Not unfortunate. Really, it, like, it is. It is. So we had we had a we had like we had McLaren and Senna Prost. Mm-hmm. We had Ferrari and Michael Schumacher. We had Red Bull and Sebastian Vettel, mm-hmm. and then we had the Mercedes and Lewis Hamilton era of dominance. Yeah, and it would appear as though we are heading into a another dynasty of dominance. Mm-hmm being Red Bull and Max Verstappen. But at, at the start of the season, one race in, yeah, I have never seen the sport have like a full-on sport-wide panic attack. Yeah. The likes of which we have seen. We've got uh, Toto freaking out and like almost sobbing at like drive to survive levels of panic we've got all sorts of wild stories about uh drivers planning strategies to jump to different teams we've got uh 
people freaking out and pointing the finger at Aston Martin and, and, Mm -hmm. you know, getting upset with them. There's all these different bits of chaos that I'm seeing like bubble to the surface. Like it's like, uh, uh, the film mean girls where the girls release their, uh, talking book to the entire school just to kind of like see if it stirs up some trouble and they walk into the school and it's like turned into like Lord of the flies and it's just just, full on panic mode. Like that's, that's what we're seeing. Uh, Where do we even begin? What, what, what piece of chaos grabbed your, your attention the most? I think we should maybe do, let's jump right into the Ferrari stuff. Uh, I think the Ferrari stuff and we're we're going to we're going to weave in and out of Johnny's trash corner pretty much the whole episode because yes, yeah, yeah. There are just there are so many weird rumors and so many weird things that are going on in F1 right now. Uh, but I think Ferrari's full on panic attack. Uh, that's the other thing too is it's not just like Ferrari having a panic attack. Uh, it's Mercedes also having a panic uh, attack at the same time. So there's like. Rumors of Charles being like, I requested a, a meeting with John Elkin, the president of uh, Ferrari. And like, first of all, that all by itself, that story that a Ferrari driver has requested a meeting with the president of Ferrari is unprecedented all by itself. Like that is mm-hmm. that doesn't happen. You don't get Ferrari drivers asking for an audience with the big boss. If anything, they're trying to stay out of his way and never become a problem, never have like time in a day where the boss can consider your worth for the company uh, as a Ferrari driver. Because, and we'll see with the Adam Driver movie about Enzo Ferrari, we'll see the (laughs) way that Ferrari has addressed their drivers and the way that they've treated their drivers. And it is... Not in good faith. Uh, so the idea that yep. their top driver is like, hey, we need a meeting is like, hey, buddy, you you know who you're driving for, right? Like, they'll just get rid of you and never, like, they'll take all your stuff down and put it in a box and leave it outside for you. Uh, and then alert the Italian press before they actually fire you. Like, their Ferrari is ruthless. So the fact that Charles, it's, it's the it's it's, it's that literally Ferrari's like technique is to walk into the room with Charles Leclerc and Carlos Sainz in it, break mm-hmm. the pool cue over their knee, and just be like, "One of you has a contract," you mm-hmm. know, uh, when you come out of this room yeah. alone. And uh, yeah, and that's not it's pretty. I don't think that that's speaking hyperbolically either. I think that it really is. It's yeah. one of the reasons why people are so amazed at the rapport that Carlos and Charles have in a competitive car when the strategists are making mistakes like this Ferrari is already a pressure cooker when the stress is on that pressure is unmatched so it's just bananas that one of their drivers is saying that now the other thing here is there's like rumors swirling in the Italian press that like half their technical staff is like, hey, we are about to resign. You fired Matteo last year when we told mm-hmm. you not to, and you hired Fred Vassor, and like, Fred's great. And like you said, Johnny, Ferrari kind of needed a boss. They needed someone to come in and crack the whip and make sure everyone was about their business. But I think a lot of people were really, really in the pocket with Matteo and 
first of all, he was a guy who came up through the program. He was an engineer, so he had alliances and had allegiances going into that job, which may have became a problem. But the loyalty he had is maybe turning toxic because Fred Vasor is not allowed to make the moves that he needs to in order to detoxify that entire technical mm-hmm. staff. Uh, there's also a rumor that he was he tried to bring a new commercial sponsor to Ferrari, and Ferrari was like, "Hey, you handle the driving; we'll handle the commercial rights." Like it's mm-hmm. there's madness happening at Ferrari right now. Uh, there's a chance that Simone Resta is going to be pulled away from Haas as the technical director of Haas and brought back in as a technical director at Ferrari, which is just like, what? You what? You can't... You're going to cannibalize your other teams in order to maybe make your team better, but that's not how F1 is supposed to go. That This is not how it's supposed mm-hmm. to go uh, at all. So it's just... it's That's... Those are the three things that kind of like popped up on my radar this week being like, whoa, Ferrari is freaking out. They're making big moves and one race has been done. One race, Johnny. We got to yeah. we got to keep circling back to this that only one race has happened. And like you had said, there's I've never seen F1 freak out. The whole paddock is and freaking I mean, out. And don't get me wrong, like I feel Mm -hmm. it too. Like I see that race and it does feel very much like, okay, this is it. We're going to see Red Bull finishing, you know, portions of a minute ahead of the rest of the field for the rest of the season. You know, it's, it's, but uh, to be fair, it's been mentioned. Yeah, sure. Red Bull have maybe a one second pace advantage in the race. Mercedes had a one second pace advantage in qualifying for Mm -hmm. some of its dominant years. So uh, yes, we are all kind of freaking out, but also let's not forget that other teams, they started to catch up on Mercedes too once like, uh, and that was not in the cost cap era. So there are a lot of things that might make these next couple of years. And now we're like, I am now referring to this. (laughs) era it's like a couple of years we'll take like you know the the ground effect we at least we should be fighting i say we mercedes should be fighting for titles by the time the regulations change again uh but uh, i i have i have faith that mercedes is going to show up i have faith that ferrari is going to i don't have faith that ferrari is going to show up i have faith that ferrari is going to march right up to the cliff's edge of showing up and then totally chicken out and put all their clothes back on and go home because they don't want to go swimming with everybody else. Like, I, <laughs> I feel like that's what Ferrari's going to do. Uh, and Mercedes <laughs> might be the opposite of where they're like, I don't even know if there's water at the bottom of this cliff. I'm just going to run and jump right off. Yeah. Uh, so yep. there's, there's different things happening. But like you said, it's a long season. However, Red Bull did turn apparently turned down their motors at the end of that race and yeah Perez yeah. and Verstappen were doing like 37.1 like one minute 37.1 on the dot every lap so they like turned the engines down and started matching each other with lap times and still finished almost a full minute ahead yep. of most of the field so there's a reason to be yeah, scared. if you if 
if you watched the the uh, in car, you know, feed on mm-hmm. F one TV on on Max's car, you could actually see for the final uh, ten laps, he pulls out a stack of baseball caps and is just signing signatures. Yeah, and, yeah. and he's just yeah, and he's just he's just getting you know PR work done uh-huh. as he's finishing up the race. It's actually yeah. absurd. Uh, actually, <laughs> along those lines. Um, I saw some interesting comments coming up around the fact that there's, you know, Red Bull have mm-hmm. to be one of the most sought after cars to yeah. have uh, sponsorship with. Mm-hmm. And as a result of this severe level of dominance, there's no reason for right. the broadcasters to basically show Max Verstappen just like doing laps all mm-hmm. by himself. Mm-hmm. And therefore, the sponsors are actually getting penalized for Red Bull's dominance. Yep. Uh, because they, there's no reason to show their cars on on the live feed. And uh, and therefore, you know, people aren't seeing those sponsor logos and whatnot. I mean, obviously there's so much more to uh, sponsorship than just that time on the race, but that is a pretty key and significant. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, this is something that you definitely happened during the Mercedes era as well. Uh, Mm -hmm. But it's (laughs) the thing with, with the thing with that was that you always had like Valtteri who was a little bit like, deeper in the field and kind of battling his way up through the field same with Perez you would have Checo kind of qualifying a little bit further back in the field and he would have to fight his way through so the Red Bull would be on the screen as it would flash to like Sergio overtaking a McLaren and battling with a Mercedes or battling with back markers who somehow made it into like a top 10 qualifying position but because they are so dominant because they did start the race on the front row and then just disappeared off into like (laughs) into the desert evening. Uh, Yeah. Their sponsors are not getting any sort of screen time. Like the only sponsor screen time, the most significant sponsor screen time I saw was in a little clip where they pulled the Red Bull up onto the podium uh, to like showcase it. And Max is like pulling up onto it. And just barely, like, hits the throttle the tiniest little bit as soon as the front wheel makes it onto the the stage. Well, they're using these, like, you know, plastic ramps or whatnot. Oh, and that thing was like a rocket ship. It just, like, they're like, blink and you'll miss it. And I was like, I don't know. Oh, yeah, it looked like the car kind of jumped up onto the stage a little bit. And I ran it back two or three times and was like, oh, my God. That thing just the made that ramp, ramp a missile. The ramp shot like 50 feet across the pit lane. Yes. And like that yes. could have been the area where the like Formula One sponsored school children are all standing yeah. and all get decapitated by, by this, this ramp like, flying across. Like, yeah. ramp. Oh, moving at a clip that has like the thing about F1 cars. They are extremely fast, right? That's what we all think about. Like, oh my God, they're so fast. They're going around. If you watch, there are like some clips of people right next to fences and watching the whole field go by and it happens in the blink of an eye. But the real power of an F1 car comes from its ability to put power through the wheels into the pavement. Mm -hmm. 
And the fact that there was a like plastic, uh, like fiberglass ramp that was like yeah. between the tires and the pavement. So it just made this th- like I can't I can't imagine that's like some faces of death, like just full on like Oh, it, I mean, absolutely. Like it it's yeah. I think this could yeah. have been the most tragic thing to happen at since a that Mercedes race. crash. Like truly in yeah. It, think of if like the media scrum was there. Yeah. Yeah, no, I mean like, they're they are like, all there. Are like all that's there. the thing. Yeah. They're all they're all there and they just happen to not be in the direct path of it. Like that thing would have easily mm-hmm. knocked over one of the little like gates that they use oh, to yeah. kind of do the like crowd control and whatnot. Like, like yes, may that, have turned that gate also into a projectile. Like yes, and just like yes. shredded people because the yeah, it, it's horrifying to think about. Uh but also very funny because mm, mm, that's again the most screen time i saw a red bull get was when it nearly uh murdered a whole bunch of people after the race was over uh yes just wild to to be like oh yeah that was the most footage that car got uh yeah so that's red bull Uh, before before we move off of uh ferrari there's Mm -hmm. one other as we go deeper into johnny's trash corner oh yeah let's do it don't you don't you worry there's plenty of room in johnny's (laughs) trash corner for you you can come on you can come right on in here oh yeah yeah, uh there's there's another uh i'd say borderline silly rumor but who knows with all Mm -hmm. this panic with everybody freaking out and and whatnot um there's murmurs of uh charles wants to consider jumping to mercedes yeah that's what like that seems yeah yeah, that that seems that seems like a pretty uh insane not very well thought out move to make but i guess that's that's where we're at you know it is and there was this little thing that uh that was shown because Seb retired and signed a bunch of like the scaled helmets. Yeah. There was this, there's this little, there's like a freeze frame of where Charles is showing the helmet that Seb signed for him. And in it, Seb says like, it's Seb's writing. And he's like, you are one of the most, you are the most talented driver I've seen in my entire career in F1. Mm -hmm. Do not waste it, period. Like, that is the next sentence after, you are the most talented driver I have ever met in Formula One. This man, like, had a relationship with Michael Schumacher. And he's saying, like, he raced against Lewis Hamilton. He raced against Max Verstappen. Like, he is raced against... Alonso. He's raced against the greats. And for him to be like, Charles, you are the most talented person I've ever met in Formula One. Don't waste your talent. You cannot look at that and go like, well, why would Seb think he's wasting his talent? What could possibly, what could he possibly be talking about? What shared experience do both of those men Mm -hmm. have where they may feel like their talents are being wasted or were wasted? And the crossover is Ferrari. The crossover is that they wanted to drive for Ferrari so bad, and then they got that seat, and then Ferrari underperformed for them and squandered their talent at 
maybe the pinnacle of their ability in motorsport. Seb driving for Ferrari, that was supposed to be a done deal. Seb, I mean, Ferrari was looking real good, and then they just phoned it in when Seb showed up. Uh, they phoned it in having Kimi Raikkonen. Like, they had Sebastian Vettel and Kimi Raikkonen. Mm-hmm. Two world champions, and they had the worst yeah. car and, like, got yep. into so much trouble. So, yeah, I think that there's a, a real chance that Charles, that meeting was about Charles being like, hey, John, Ferrari needs to get it together, or else I am going to go to one of your direct competitors, and I will beat yeah. you in that car. I mean, I know that's not the, the those weren't the words, but that is the subtext of requesting a meeting with your big boss is just to be like, hey, tighten up or else I'm out of here. Like, it, yeah, so that I'm happy to be in the trash corner for this uh, swirling around uh, like a, a plastic bag uh, caught in an updraft. Uh, I'm happy to just be in that trash corner with you, Johnny, for as long as it takes. <laughs> For as long it's, as it takes. Oh. Yeah, I mean, I this is the, so. This is the thing that with this panic, I just feel like it it turns everything into trash. And mm-hmm. even uh, formal communications, oh my god, that are put out to to the press from from teams in the most organized manner possible feel like just pure trash. And oh. if if you don't already, let's do know, it. I am, yeah, yeah I'm talking about. Mercedes, who this week released a letter to the fans. It's tragic. Uh, it is a, tr- it is, it reads. Sh- sh- should, should we just, should we just read through this, this letter? Yeah, yeah, yeah absolutely. Absolutely. I, uh, I, I have it up here. Would you like me to uh, do mm-hmm. the, do the honors? Mm-hmm. If, uh, if you are not comfortable with high levels of cringe, you might want to like skip ahead in your, yeah, podcast player uh, for the next couple of minutes because yeah, this is going to be a little bit rough. It's going to be real cringy. I am. I do not like cringe stuff. It took me maybe ten minutes to get through this because I had to keep putting my phone down to be like, guys, no. What do you do? Oh, this feels horrible. All right, let's do it. Let's just let's do it, Johnny. Um, how about you? You take the first. You take the first page. I'll take the second page. And then the third page is like oh the uh, let me see here pages are it's probably pages on the way we shared it this oh, week yeah. when we were messaging it right okay all right yeah yeah let me uh... oh okay so there's even yeah e- even beyond us there's an even longer version than this but let's stick to this shorter yeah. version that we were messaging back and forth the one on the website is. So it's much so worse. Um, yeah, you'll t- okay, you right. take the first. I'll take the second. You take the first paragraph that starts out first. I'll take the second that starts out second, and then okay, maybe we beautiful. like. I mean, we can talk about the third one, but it's that's it, that's more of like a boilerplate. Like we don't abide by discrimination. Uh, yeah. So we could we could. But even yeah. All right. We, all right. Yeah, yeah. Go for it, Johnny. So. This is an official communication that they put out there to the world. Mm-hmm. First. We won't panic or make knee-jerk reactions. This this letter is not a panicked or knee-jerk reaction. <laughs> no, 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 no. In a spotlight as fierce as F1, people are quick to point fingers or look for scapegoats. But you know us better than that. 
This is I like how they're putting the accountability on us. Yeah, yeah, yes. Right now. <sighs> Inside the team, we talk about having the courage to fail, the character to be accountable, and the strength to see failure as an opportunity. Mm. We have been open and searingly honest about where we find ourselves. And we are working urgently and calmly to build our recovery plan, focusing on what needs to happen short-term, medium-term, and long-term to win. We already have developments in the pipeline for the next races, and there will be more to come. But this won't be the work of a moment. There are no silver bullets in F1. Now, just like, yeah, yeah, why do... Why, why would you say there are no silver bullets in F1? Literally, your team are known as the silver, the silver arrows. arrows. The evolution of and weaponry. And they're like, well, there are no silver projectiles in F1. Yeah. Uh, well, like, was this meant to be a tongue-in-cheek thing of being like, there are no silver bullets in F1, but there are black ones? Uh, <laughs> or were they like, ooh, maybe we shouldn't put black bullets uh, next to each other? <laughs> or like, there, it just feels like there are just so many... This went through so many revisions, and this is what they came up with. Uh, I love like it's absolutely miserable. Uh, so let's get to the second one because uh, yeah. why not? Uh, second, we will keep our held. <laughs> oh my god, I can't even get through it. Uh, <laughs> second, we will keep our heads held high and yeah, take this high. opportunity to step by step, <laughs> like for uh, just that right there. Second, we will hold our heads high. Is like, yeah, you should keep your a Mercedes motors. Like, you, there's no. Why don't you keep your Why don't you keep your head out of the typewriter that you're writing this on right yeah, now? Get back you know, to like, the factory, y'all. Like, stop this. Stop this. Your PR wing does not need to be engaged. Uh, so, of course, the next statement is: We are Mercedes. We know the standards we aspire to, and nobody is flinching. When we look at the mountain, we must climb. It won't be easy. But where's the value in something easy? <laughs> like, what What are you doing? Oh, this is so gross and stupid. Oh. And just, they thought, they thought they were really doing something here. All right. Uh, there are times when character is forged. Semicolon. The times when a team becomes greater than the sum of its parts tackling difficult problems and conquering them we're together through thick and thin from toto lewis and george to Uh every single woman and man in the factories at brackley and bricksworth and we love that challenge like no you don't no you don't you You just don't no i imagine when they were writing this they were like we need to sound if is there a way that we can capture like the drama of a James Earl Jones and the gravity of a John Ham uh and then also just like the the essence of like pearl clutching British motorsports all in one like is there a way we can make that into words and yes they can and they did and it looks awful and I mean, and, you know, I mean yeah. to 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 cap it off the the final section, yeah. which now seems like a very commonplace sort of thing that we're seeing in the sport, is just like a message going out, pleading with the fans 
to be nice. not to be yeah not not to be nasty and i mean again mm-hmm. i will never advocate for any sort of like you know toxicity or of anything resembling online bullying but at the same time like i i do kind of feel like we're we're in a world where this is like a entity that is at the highest echelon of multiple industries and sports converging together mm-hmm. to be the peak of formula one which is like it, it's so many disciplines rolled into one and yeah. yet they're like can can you people leaving comments on you know social media be be less mean spirited when yeah. you talk about us doing poorly like because our feelings just, are getting hurted like it's just so I, I don't I don't know what to even it's make well of that. I mean and like it's infantilizing themselves like they are making themselves yeah. seem like they don't have the toughest skin in sports which they do all these f1 teams have the toughest skin because they face the most but especially this this team like you know which is a a german brand led by an an austrian you know uh monster Mm -hmm. and yeah they're still just like it's yeah man they're 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 crumbling they're they're a mess this is this this thing is all over the place there's all and and this sort of like are you a real fan you know are you are you a serious enough fan to stick with us through this and join join with us and of course we like some adversity like this of course we like a challenge that's probably going to take us three years to solve and and unpack and whatnot like it's this this, is this is this statement is I'm just like racking my brain as someone who, you know, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a fan of sports. I grew up in sports. Uh, I am racking my brain thinking about the Chicago Bulls, the New York Yankees. Uh, like, mm-hmm. even like, I'm not too familiar with like, uh, like European football or soccer, uh, but I imagine that statements like this are not put out by organizations. Can you imagine the Chicago Bulls after like the Jordan and Pippen era of when they were just like mm-hmm. not performing well, where they were like, are you a real fan? Hey, Chicagoans, if you're real fans, yeah. you'll understand. Like when the Yankees were doing, haven't you dealt with a little adversity before? Yeah, yeah. Like just all these dynastic teams uh, who are like chiseled out of marble, and these are like American marble. So it's like gaudy and not great marble. It's not the <laughs> highest quality. It's like, you know, it's probably more composite than actual real mind stone. Uh, for, and then, like like you said, a, a German pedigree run out of Britain uh, and ran by uh, a Terminator. Like, and they're yeah. the ones who can't just shut up and put up. Like, this is this is what Mercedes has always kind of talked about where they're like, we do our talking on track. We don't, we don't get involved with all this. And now you are writing a letter to the fans saying, Hey, stick with us. (laughs) Come on guys. Uh, Real fans would stick with us, right? You wouldn't leave us after we like (laughs) our pants. Would you? Uh, Everyone (laughs) their pants. Well, guys, (laughs) you didn't have to tell us your pants. You could have just quietly, (laughs) gone and showered and changed your trousers and come back and we would have been like, huh. 
I did you change uh, not pants? to mention like n- not to mention and sorry what's no. left off of uh the screenshots that we were sharing of this mm-hmm. statement is the way they tie it all up at the end the last oh line yeah. of the letter is are you ready to join us for the fight back if not then there are no hard feelings if yes then let's do this. I, I just it like, and it's it's just oscillating between this like tail in between this legs yep. and this hyperbolic, overconfident like we also don't need you as fans. If you're yeah, not, you know, if you're it, not ready to roll, it, it, I I don't yeah don't this is, yeah. This is a mess. Okay, so it's like two people so, were writing this letter. It's like two people with varying uh, points of view were like. Okay, we're gonna tag team this letter. Uh, I'm gonna play good cop and I'm gonna play bad cop. And it's like, well, you no, yeah. don't do that. You never should have done that in the first place. You never should have put a letter out in the first place. Uh, all right, so so yeah, yeah. so deeper into the trash corner mm-hmm. at Mercedes, mm-hmm. what else have we got going on there? So we've got rumors that Mike Elliott, uh, who is now like the the head technical director, uh, effectively he's the technical director of the team. There's Rumors that he is like he's maybe on the chopping block that he may get shuffled around or demoted within the team, uh, and not only is that a thing, but it looks like James Allison was the technical director of Mercedes. He was also he worked for Ferrari, uh, so the man is like a brilliant, brilliant engineer, he's a veteran, yeah, truly one of the best in the business. Now, when the cost cap came into effect. Mercedes did some shuffling around. Uh, their title sponsor, Ineos, is uh, really big into yachting, into like yacht racing, um, uh, and like serious, ser- like the stuff that you see where these boats are tipping up out of the water and doing like mm-hmm. <laughs> you know fifteen knots around like a very tight turn. That's who James Allison was working with. He went from the Mercedes team over to the Ineos team and was working in that world to help engineer better boats to better carve through the water. And now Mercedes is like, yeah, we're bringing James Allison back uh, because clearly the past two years, our technical direction has gone wrong. So we need to at least bring him back into the fold as a consultant. Uh, And not only did they bring him back into the fold as a consultant, they brought him back into the F1 team. So he's been rehired as of January, 2023. He has been rehired to Mercedes AMG F1. So he is no longer working on the boat. So that's not even a rumor at this Mm -hmm. point. It's full on like, Hey, we're bringing our heavy hitter back in, uh, not as a consultant. We're just straight up bringing him back in to maybe write the ship. Pardon that ridiculous pun, but they're going to get, everything lined up as they need to at Mercedes. So that's like one of the rumors that actually there's some truth behind because their hiring practices are out there for everyone to see. But I can't see them demoting Mike Elliott or putting him in a bad spot or in a spot that would make him lose face. He's, Mm -hmm. if you watch any of the stuff that he does, he's clearly not great at, or he didn't come up in this world to be like, yeah, I'm going to be a person who's like constantly addressing the camera and conducting interviews. But if you look at the way he's progressed as a front facing representative of Mercedes over the past few years, it's like, he's doing well. And that's kind of who you need. It's nice to have 
James, especially because James Vowles is no longer there. So you do need kind of that soft-spoken, mm-hmm. nerdy weirdo uh, who can like kind of command the attention, but is a little bit nebbish and a little bit idiosyncratic. They're bringing the smoothest smooth talker back in. James Allison was like built. I mean, they sent him into the world of yacht racing. Like you, yeah. you are not a nerd if you end up in yacht. Ra- like, uh, yeah, you can be, but mm, James Allison is not that. He is damn near like a James Bond-esque character. Uh, he's just so smooth. <laughs> he's so chill. He's so mad. Like he's put together in every way you can imagine as like, a race engineer. Uh, so that's huge. There's also like, there's an article where he's like, he like fully talks about it. He's like, I'm going to be bringing some pretty serious radical changes to the development process of Mercedes. Uh, that is absolutely stated. Um, I'm also saying that the side pods are going to stay slim, but they are going to look different. So, this is where that rumor came in where they were like, they're going to upgrade the side pods and like, they're going to look different. This is James Allison's baby. Mm-hmm. Like He's like, no, 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 no. We're not changing everything. We are going to make some pretty aggressive changes, but we're keeping the zero, the non side pod. It's just not going to be a non side pod anymore. Uh, mm-hmm. Are they going to make them like triangles? I don't know what they're going to do with those side pods. Uh, <clears throat> uh, but yeah, I think, and that, if I'm honest, I think that that's also why we've got those like big cannons on the side of the Mercedes, those giant like humps that kind of mimic mm-hmm. the Ferrari bathtubs. I think that this was kind of being that's going to be integrated into this new design, I think, and that's going to give those new side pods a very interesting look, uh even more interesting than they were last year and this year. So that is happening. They are going to be changing the look of the car, and a lot of the development of the underfloor is going to change, which should potentially, and this is back into rumors, but George said they're probably going to be able to gain three-tenths before they even bring those upgrades at Imola or Baku. So Mm -hmm. they're nine-tenths, eight-tenths of a second down right now which means that they will then become competitive again with the Ferraris and with the Aston Martins. So that's just within the first few races. And then maybe at Baku, there's going to be something massive that happens. I mean, fingers crossed uh, that there's going to be massive upgrades at Baku, but who knows? Um, I mean, I love everything you're saying, but... My confidence is completely undermined by, you know, Toto and just the the way that we've seen, the way that it appears everyone is reacting to this right now, which is very much feels as though it's like, well, there's always 2025? Question mark? Big question mark? Yeah. Like maybe even mm, we might, we might have to abandon the championship hunt for the next couple of years that's what it feels like that's what it seems like it's what it sounds like uh and then there were like some dumb rumors and this these are these are the worst rumors because they truly 
feel as though come they on, come on they in. Hold come on in. Yeah. Come, no come, weight come whatsoever. So yeah, they, they're saying like get in here. <laughs> People are saying get in here. You can talk about your dirty rumors yeah, all you want over yeah, here. All right, let's 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 let me settle into the trash quarter here. Uh, so there are people saying that Lewis is now considering if Mercedes doesn't get their shit together, that there is a chance that Lewis would go and drive for Ferrari. Now, folks, what are we talking about here? Do we really think Lewis Hamilton is going to go and race for Ferrari? Is that even? I, I'm just, all I can say is I think he would look fantastic in red. Of course. I think, uh, we've I think seen him, that... uh, we've seen him walk into the paddock in all red and he does look fantastic. Wearing like an inflatable yeah. red outfit. <laughs> yeah, that's, yeah, you know, yeah. from, from the movie, the fifth element, you know, yep. uh, Yep. But yeah, he'd, uh, he'd look fantastic in red. All right. So Lewis, uh, mm-hmm. Lewis did make some comments uh, close mm-hmm. to the end of the, the not long after the race had finished yeah. stating some things that you normally don't hear from anything but the most salty drivers, especially someone who seems incredibly measured and controlled yeah. at this point in his career in the way that Lewis Hamilton is, yeah. where he made some comments along the lines of like, well, you know, I I know how a car should be set up mm-hmm. to drive well. And I had told the team that, and they didn't really listen to me. Yep. So maybe now they should listen to me. Yep. Which... Uh, that's a, you know, I, I'm not gonna say whether or not a statement like that is valid. I think there's certainly pieces of it that I think are, are valid, but I think, you know, you, you gotta listen to your driver, but I think there's also aspects of like, well, also you can't put it on Lewis Hamilton to understand computational fluid dynamics and everything else that goes into the engineering of one of the most complex, uh, you know, uh, engineering projects on the planet. Um, yeah, but you know, I hear that, and then you know, I just I also always feel that by default, any successful driver wants to it's going to get a least, sniff, you know, yeah. yeah. Any any successful driver wants to drive for Ferrari for yeah. at least one season in their career. Every driver wants to stand on that Monza podium, yes. wearing red. And overlooking a sea of red tifosi losing their minds with that giant and, Ferrari flag, like obscuring yeah, the giant half the crowd's yeah. view, but they don't care because they need to rep Ferrari. Yeah, yeah, it's, yeah. That's I, I don't, I don't, I'm not disagreeing with you, Johnny. I think that every driver does have that want, but I think for a multi- multitude of reasons, Lewis Hamilton will never drive for Ferrari. Uh, one. He says that he's Mercedes through and through. They have kind of set him up his whole career. Uh, and he does have a whole bunch of loyalty to Mercedes because of that, because of the investment that they made. But also, as far as like socially and on the social justice side of this, there's yeah. no way Ferrari Hard to imagine Ferrari moving the needle very far. No, God, on, no, on no, no, yeah, no. They're no. Gonna have a difficult time nudging that meatball across the plate, you know? Yeah, exactly. Uh, I mean, Italian, the Italian press, and hey, uh, I'd like to see it. I'd like to see it. Of happen. course, 
Of course, but I can't imagine in any like in any scenario where Lewis would be able to wear arrest the cops that killed Brianna Taylor uh, on the podium or on the grid as a Ferrari driver. Like, there's just no way that that wouldn't result in. But Corey, <laughs> what if it got Ferrari a championship? <laughs> Can you imagine the like uh, Italian gesticulation going on while negotiating yeah. the back and forth of like, you know, the, yeah, yeah. it's, I, I mean, I, it's, this is a good fantasy to live in, but it's just not even close to reality. There's no way that he'll ever end up in a Ferrari uniform, not to mention as a black man, uh, I can't imagine like going willingly going into italy being like yeah i'm in the crosshairs of the italian press as a black man who's from britain like there's mm-hmm. just going to be so much awfulness that would be spewed at him uh hinted at coded like like just i can't imagine especially at this point in hamilton's life and career where he'd be like yeah i'm going to subject myself to some of some of the most like unbridled bigotry that exists on this planet and i'm not saying that all italians are racist i'm not saying that i'm just saying that they don't have the best rapport with brown and black on this, people <laughs> they just yeah don't. i mean i would say like on the scale of teams willing to support mm-hmm. that messaging and and support those initiatives yeah ferrari's got to be uh, close to last place yeah. on on that but yeah. again hey if it gets they're, they're gonna be real desperate to get some championships and if they are yeah a a super senior elder statesman driver i mean imagine like uh uh i mean i guess i guess what would in theory if we're deep enough in the trash corner what would yeah, happen is uh lewis and charles would swap seats i was just gonna but say yeah, yeah if it if it was lewis and charles's teammates that could be that could be pretty wild and, yeah. and create you know some some dominance as long as the rest of the team gets their gets their act together. And I will say that uh, you know as far I I don't think Lewis has a intense loyalty to Mercedes, and I I think yeah. of it in the way that like McLaren McLaren like that's true. That's took true. care of Lewis's entire family while he was a child. Yeah, that's like true. They, he was deeply, you know, indebted to Ron Dennis and McLaren, and he still was able to walk away from that team when the when the right opportunity had had presented itself. Yeah, um, that's a good point. And that's a really good point. and and also Lewis is the. He's like the exact opposite of uh, some other drivers who, when switching teams, end up like going to the wrong team at the wrong time. Like Lewis's, yeah. Lewis's move to from McLaren, presumably the best team on the grid, yeah. to Mercedes, who at the time were a middle of the pack team. Uh, that was one of the best driver moves that I think has ever, ever happened in yeah. terms of it leading to, to nonstop success. So, yeah. Yeah. I don't know. It's uh yeah, I I'm, I'm with you. It's trash. This, it's this trash. is, at the, this, is this is a trash rumor, but yeah, it is fun to entertain. Uh, it know, is fun. Monday. Especially Monday. because 
of what you said because of the seat swap thing of like, yeah, yeah, there's no way Lewis would go and drive for Ferrari. But if he did swap seats with Charles, then we'd get Charles and George together. Uh, and then you'd get Lewis and Carlos together, which I would love to see that combo mm-hmm. or the other. Yep. Seeing George and Carlos together and seeing Lewis and Charles together. I mean, oh, what a what a wonderful thing to indulge in uh, as far as a fantasy. But it is just is there, any, is there anywhere else that uh, Lewis would go? I mean, I can only think that depending on how much success they have that Aston Martin would be the next most likely thing. I'd say Aston Martin is more likely than Ferrari. Uh, if, if I'm honest, but Alonzo's not getting out of that seat. Alonzo's no, no, like, no, no, Oh, no, no, I'm, no, no. I'm in here good. And presumably, you know, baby, baby stroll ain't, ain't going nowhere. Yeah. So I don't know that. Okay. So since we're in the trash corner, let's stay here. And let's talk about Aston Martin for a moment. Yes. I am going to bring my tinfoil hat into the trash corner with this one. Um, mm-hmm. And maybe I'll leave it here, but I'll probably be back for it at some point again anyways. So we please. don't judge in the trash corner. Okay. We don't right. judge. You wear uh, also, that tinfoil hat. Yeah, yeah. Make sure it does that. That tinfoil hat needs to like uh, be put on like a... a a piece of trash that is stuck to the wall so that it doesn't get stepped on eventually. And I can put it Mm -hmm. back on when I come back. But I think what they did, what Aston Martin did by bringing back Lance Stroll as quickly as they did. I think Lawrence Stroll recognizes that Fernando Alonso is the far superior driver. I don't think that that's any, that's not up for debate. Right. So I think that there is a chance that Lawrence Stroll gave the okay for Lance to be back in the car, knew that Lance was going to recover, knew that Lance was going to be able to drive. However, Lawrence can't fire his own son. He can't. It's just not going to happen. I can't imagine that's going to happen. I think the only way that Lance Stroll stops driving for Aston Martin is if he is physically forced to stop driving for Aston Martin. So what I think may have happened here, Lawrence Stroll goes, yeah, Lance, go ahead. Get back in that car. Don't worry about your wrists. They'll be fine. We'll get you with a physio. We'll figure it out. Five, six, seven races into the season, it becomes very apparent that the damage that Lance has done during the recovery process has maybe even prevented him from finishing the season or returning as a driver, Hmm. as like a top Mm -hmm. driver ever. Yep. And that kind of lead time, five, six races, might be just enough time to get one Sebastian Vettel back into race fitness. And oh boy, can you imagine what we had talked about earlier? Yeah. Having Sebastian Vettel and Fernando Alonso in an Aston Martin that is competitive with the Red Bulls. Can you, I mean, that just. So your, your theory is that Mm -hmm. while Lance Stroll's incredibly delicate wrists Mm -hmm. are desperately trying to repair themselves, Mm -hmm. his dad is going around and like using power tools to over torque 
a hyper tightening of the lid of the peanut butter jar every single lid every yeah and then and then handing it to lance and being like can you help me open this real quick see if you could just pop this off i was just having this old a little man's trouble hands. my yeah, my hands are, are sweaty yeah. and i'm just yeah would you just mind <laughs> you just pop the lid off this uh, for me yeah yeah i mean i i i can't i wouldn't put it above lawrence stroll to do some like hey i have to navigate this in a way that like i don't have to deal with lance i don't have to deal yeah with i mean no question lawrence stroll is the master Mm -hmm. villain of of formula one like i'm i yeah i think that part of aston martin's resounding success is because lawrence stroll is the only person who has enough familiarity with like deep money laundering to be able to work his way around the cost cap and to be able to you know just just work as though no cost cap exists and and be able to assemble a car with with significantly more resources than everyone else i mean that's i mean i it's crystal clear to me i think it's that's pretty clear to me too uh and then i also think that he is ruthless enough to carve his son out of that driver's yeah. seat uh, without causing too much stress or drama for himself and kind of looking yeah. like the hero. If he brings back Sebastian Vettel, it doesn't matter. It, it really doesn't matter if his son can race or not because the whole paddock will mm-hmm. be like, oh, cool. Yeah, um, Lawrence, you stay in the simulator. Seb, what's it feel like to be back on the grid? What's it feel like to be teammates with another world champion in a car that's competitive, right? Like Sebastian and Kimi were double world champions uh, when they were driving for Ferrari. We may now have two world champions driving for another competitive team. And Mm -hmm. oh boy, Seb, did it disappoint you when you weren't in a good car with another world champion as your teammate? What if we give you the second best car on the grid and the arguably the best driver on the grid? I mean, not even, I don't even, th- I don't even think that that's an arguable thing. I think that Fernando Alonso is the best driver on that grid and has been the entire time he's been here. I, I just, I don't, I don't say best driver on the grid. I say he's the best at, going beyond the capabilities of the hardware yeah, that he's put inside yeah. of. Like, he's he's that's better it. at outdriving his own car than anyone else's. Yeah, okay, that's I'll, I'll, I'll walk that back and agree with you there. He is far superior, uh, far superior at getting more out of a car than any other driver could ever get out of that car, regardless of its performance level. Like, it could be the worst car, and he's still going to crush it. I mean, he did he was still remaining competitive in that McLaren while calling the engine a GP two engine. So like, yep. That's pretty impressive. That's a pretty impressive feat. Uh, not to mention what he did with Alpine. Right. Uh, and yeah. Ferrari when he was with Ferrari too, like really showing up at Ferrari. <laughs> oh mm-hmm. God. Ah, so yeah, that's, that's, uh, that's kind of what I wanted to touch on with Aston Martin. Um, There is a tiny bit more here, though, which is we're staying in the trash corner, Johnny. We're like deep into the pod and we're just remaining in the trash corner. The all the sniping that Helmut Marco and Christian Horner are doing at 
uh, at the Aston Martin. Um, yep. The the I, I do appreciate the Perez thing in the post race interview of being like, oh, it's cool to have three Red Bulls on the podium. Like that, I'm fine with. If the drivers want to do that back and forth and play those games, totally fine with that. Mm-hmm. When you get the bosses involved, it starts to get real gross, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. It just feels worse when Helmet Marco's like, oh, it looks like some of our engineers, they uh, they clearly took some of that info with them. It's like, yeah. they're engineers. Of course, they're going to take every bit of info. And you know what? They brought info to the team. They didn't yep. just show up and you didn't put them through college. Uh, I mean, some of them you probably did, but like these people are bringing knowledge to the team just like they bring knowledge to other teams. So it's just, it's so weird and gross for them to be like the only reason Aston Martin is competitive now is because they have our design. No, it's not. It's not. It's because they hired appropriately. They've got one of the best drivers on the grid. They have one of the most ruthless CEOs. Uh, they have uh, a, a second, a junior driver on the team who is the son of the owner of the team. And quite frankly, Lance Stroll, now that he's got this car, if he was fully healthy, I think he would be competing for podiums just like Alonso. Because I think Stroll is a fantastic driver. He just hasn't had a good... Yeah, I mean, I think this is this is going to be one of the biggest stories of the season as mm-hmm. a whole, is we're actually going to really get a better sense of what Stroll is yeah. made of, which is fascinating considering that it is it is pretty easy to call him like the worst possible version of like a Nepo pay driver... Mm-hmm you know, uh, yeah. that's, that's out there, but we'll, we'll see, we'll see what he's got. But it's like, there are people, I'm, I'm specifically thinking of like Colin Hanks, uh, of being like, there are some <laughs> Nepo babies who are actually really talented and really good and work their asses well, off. Well, yeah, they've been, they I mean, that's kind of the, the other side of the whole Nepo baby thing is like, yeah. well, you were raised by and constantly in close proximity to somebody with a similar skill set or a heightened level of competency. Yeah. And you with. Know. And I mean, I'm not a parent, but I am an uncle and I know I am here to make things better for my nephew. Like when Mm -hmm. he reaches those milestones in his life where he's like, oh, I'm just really struggling with this. I can be like, hey, I also struggled with this. Let me help you through it. Right. And that's what nepotism parents do, too. They're like, hey, Mm -hmm. I want to make the world easier for my kid. It just so happens I am the best in my field or I'm at, I'm at the top of my field. So I'm going to give and impart all that knowledge and work ethic uh, and connections onto my next of kin because that's what makes sense. It sucks when it's someone like Chet Hanks, uh, who is just this like gross, awful <laughs> person. Uh, and you're like, God, the only reason he's on a red carpet is because his dad is Tom Hanks. But then you look at Colin Hanks and it's like, that guy's a really good actor. He's a really funny guy. He's a really mm-hmm. personable person. Like he's nice. Everyone who's ever I've ever encountered who's interacted with him is like, yeah, he's like a better version of his dad and his dad is great. So maybe that's what we've got with Stroll where it's like, you're a better version of your dad. Uh, and yeah, I can see Lance Stroll becoming Lawrence Stroll. Absolutely. Just very dry, very to the point, not suffering fools and kind of a little bit of an asshole about it. <laughs> so yeah, I well, that's that. the thing. I do. I do think it'll be when he becomes Lawrence Stroll, which is 
possibly Lauren Stroll's own goal. Mm -hmm. It will come from the like villain origin story of him then discovering that his dad was like, you know, injecting poison into his wrists while he was sleeping. And, uh, you know, and, and yeah, there's, there's some, that'll be a, that'll be a wonderful season of drive to survive when it turns, when like drive to survive turns into like some like true crime uh, (laughs) documentary. Yeah. Yeah, Some retroactive, a lot of like uh, black and white footage. Grainy black and white. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Oh God. All right. All right. So, so let's, let's, let's try and crawl out of uh, Mm. the, the trash corner. It was, it was there any other trash we needed to uh, process here? I think uh, just as a couple of raccoons, we've, uh, we've gone, we've gone into every corner of this dumpster. Uh, We found, we found like the little bits that are jammed up under the lid. Uh, I think, I think we've, we've got most of it covered. Uh, so what else, what else in the, in the world of formula one, Johnny, what else do we got going on here? Um, there's not that much else, but there's a few things that I'll, I'll touch on Mm -hmm. that kind of cross, uh, formula one into other streams, particularly just the broader scheme of formula one being a entertainment product and, and, being a a big uh, big piece of like television entertainment. Mm-hmm. Uh first off, we're just coming out of the Oscars. Oh yeah. Where we saw the Oscars swept by everything everywhere all at once. Mm-hmm. Uh, have you have you seen the film? I still haven't seen the film. Uh I'm It's a it's a wild yeah. movie. Uh yeah. definitely definitely check it out. Um but Michelle Yeoh uh, won Michelle Michelle Yeoh yeah, one best actress, mm-hmm. which is to me that's just awesome. Michelle Yeoh yeah. is insane. If you haven't, if you're you know only familiar with her from being this sort of like you know uh, regal actress appearing in things like Crazy Rich Asians and whatnot, you need to know mm-hmm. that she used to almost die all the time yes. on the set of Jackie Chan films yep. and whatnot, like Super Cop. She jumps a motorcycle onto a train, and the take that's in the movie is the take where she almost bites it and yeah. like. It looks like, oh, that was a beautifully planned stunt. But like, no, her motorcycle wasn't supposed to almost not make it onto the top of the Mm -hmm. train. And it looks extra dramatic and awesome. But that was almost her, you know, dying. And there's like multiple other Jackie Chan stunts where she like falls off a car, literally rolls onto the road and almost gets hit by another car and all sorts of whatever. Michelle Yeoh, she's amazing. She's incredible. Truly incredible. Yeah. And apparently has a, a, a fine taste for tiny little Frenchmen mm-hmm. involved in Formula One. Uh, and I am speaking of her her husband mm-hmm. for many, many years, for I think over 15 years now. Yeah, Jean Tot. Yeah. Jean Tot, former uh, uh, president of, uh, was it Formula One or FIA? Uh, he was the uh, former uh, F1 president. Um, or Former he, F1 not, president. Not pres- was he the president? Or was he like the CEO? It was one of those two things. Um, Following a legendary career at Ferrari. Yeah. Oh, no, he was FIA. Uh, where- he wasn't F1. He was FIA. He was the he, president. He, of the was FIA. FIA. Yeah. he was FIA. Yeah. He was FIA president. Uh, but that came after 
being a, a legendary figure at Ferrari where mm-hmm. he was uh, Michael Schumacher's right-hand guy. Yep. And, uh, and that was around when I believe that was around the era where he met Michelle yeah. Yeoh in like 2004 yeah. or so. They, yeah, he, they linked up. And they like, so, yeah, they had like a real like Hollywood esque uh, romance, but not done in Hollywood. <laughs> It's like the yeah. Hong Kong cinema scene uh, and the international uh, motorsport circuit. Inter- it, yeah. So yep. just out, out on the peripheral of Hollywood, um, on the peripheries, I'd say, of of Hollywood, but not a Hollywood story. But it feels like it was like, I hope that they do a movie about them. Like that, that would be an amazing thing. Just like a biopic about their relationship and where they came from i don't know how it would be done yeah. but that would i would love to see those stories uh told because yep. they're so pretty cute too they're so adorable together they, they are they are adorable oh, yeah. together and so it's fun to see at the oscars you know him mm-hmm. right there as uh as her plus one for the for the ceremony and and they're supporting her as uh as she won a, a well-earned oscar now, so now we do have to dip just just put a toe back into the trash corner here um, uh, for just a second. I know we said we'd leave it, but there was a, a thing that happened in relation to this, which was ESPN posted Uh-oh. an amazing picture of Michelle Yeoh and Jean Todd like in an embrace after the Oscars, like one of the first pictures. Mm-hmm. And in the caption, it's just like, oh, she's so wonderful. Congratulations to her. Uh, this is, you know, Jean Todd's partner, and she's just always been so wonderful. Then a return, space, F1 is everything, everywhere. I was like, I'm not going to like this. I'm oh. not going to like this. This is so, Oof. like, so, Oof. oh, just so gross and so cringeworthy. Like how? Don't do that. Don't do that. Everyone knows that. Come on, just come on. Um, it just felt so, so corny and so stupid, needlessly corny that I was turned off by it. <laughs> Very much put off by it. Yeah. Uh. So that's uh. Yeah. all right. We, let's let's get out of the trash corner again. Um. Uh. It's a wonderful moment, a beautiful moment, and I think that this is great because it will shine yet another spotlight on f1 like yeah so many people are so aware of f1 as being a part of the modern cultural experience within the past few years not just all over the world but in the u.s and now that the person who won the oscar for best best actress is photographed immediately with one of the most famous people in f1 who is not a driver that you can't there's no way of divorcing that there's just going people are going to be like oh who's that guy oh formula one. Oh yeah formula one. Oh wow this guy was involved mm-hmm. with that like it's it's only going to spin up the hype machine for f1 over the next year and i'm happy about that perfectly happy yep this is the kind of organic integrated marketing that i love uh but when it's mm-hmm. like <laughs> needlessly ham-fisted into situations like all right let's chill out here we don't need to do that we do not need to do that um anything uh what else from uh from the world of formula one so we we touched on it last week 
which was the ESPN broadcast, uh, the the new deal that they have. What what were some of the details with that, Johnny? So ESPN will be, you know, ESPN is kind of owning Formula One in the United States, although they're just replaying the, uh, mm-hmm. or, or not replaying, but just playing uh, the Sky feed, which yeah. is terrific, which I'm I'm very happy with. Uh, they've, one of the great things, if you've been watching Formula One long enough, uh, to have watched it before it was on ESPN, Mm -hmm. we used to have commercials inserted into the broadcasts, like almost zero warning. Yeah. Yeah. It sucks. It was a terrible thing. The reason I have F1 TV, Johnny, is because of that, is because I was like, I'm done with this. I can't, oh, I can't do this. So, Yeah. And so uh, that was made possible because for the first, I think it was the first three years that mm-hmm. we've had Formula One on on ESPN, it was sponsored by mothers uh, who make like car cleaning products. And they sponsored it to the point of saying, "You, we will pay for there to be no commercials. Yeah. Um, that deal was established three years ago, has now run its course. And it's worth noting that there is a new sponsor, mm-hmm. a much bigger sponsor, oh. which is Mercedes okay. jumping in and yeah. covering that, uh, which to me just speaks again to like, there's probably that rate for that, you know, sponsorship has probably gone through the roof. Yeah. To the point um, where Mothers was like, we're not re-upping that, especially yeah. to not have our product on TV. We are not. No, God, no. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> but yeah. What do you, but, uh, what do you y- think that negotiation process is like? Do you think that that was Mercedes coming in and just being like, yeah, we'll pay whatever. We'll pay whatever. We don't care. Or do you think that that was like something that was a little bit more tightly negotiated? I'm get. I'm guessing ESPN was like, Hey, I know what I've got here. You know, this yeah. is, this thing is huge now. And uh, you know, why don't you guys try and sell some more chamois cloths to come up with five X what you were paying previously? And when they were yeah. just immediately like, "Yep, yeah, nope, nope," <laughs> that's they, a hard no. Yeah. You know, they they went straight around to whatever other potential bidders they could find, and you know, not surprising that a brand like Mercedes steps up to uh, to grab yeah. the reins for this uh, seems like a natural fit. I mean, I'm um, surprised it wasn't since it was Mercedes. It's genuinely surprising to me that Audi didn't step in and go, "Hey, we'll sponsor it." Yeah, we'll sponsor. Yeah. We'll sponsor a, a commercial-free F1, and people be like, "Oh, wow, that's pretty cool." Audi's involved. Is Audi involved with F1? It's like, well, they are now. So I think, yeah, I would. Hope I bet that you Audi, next yeah. year and certainly the year after, we'll see them. We'll see Audi like very specifically yeah. laying groundwork. Yeah for their 2026 debut in the sport. Yep. Um, so other, other just things happening in the world of ESPN and broadcasting formula one. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I'll put this directly into stock continuing to rise yep. in the United States is that we are going to see, uh, ESPN is actually elevating their presence on their channel. Sometimes you would have to like go digging around yeah. through like ESPN news or whatever to figure out what channel the race would be on. Um, this year, 
let's see, 18 of the 23 races Mm -hmm. will be broadcast either on ESPN proper Mm -hmm. or actually elevated all the way to ABC. Uh, so free to air, you know, uh, anywhere in the United States, ABC, which will also for the first time ever show the Monaco Grand Prix live on ABC. This is the first Um, year that Monaco doesn't have their broadcast rights. This is, this is going to be interesting. I'm very interested to see what that looks like. I mean, and by that, I mean, no one else is going to be interested in that, but I'm very interested in like this, this, the way that that is going to be navigated. Also the actual, are they going to allow the proper camera people to run the broadcast? Are they going to hide? Because that's the big problem with Monaco is they don't hire any F1 people to broadcast the race. And it shows, it shows bad in that race when you put it up with yep. other races, especially other street circuit races. Like if you look at, look at like Azerbaijan uh, or Singapore, I mean, Singapore's a night race, so it's different. But if you look at the Azerbaijan Grand Prix, the coverage of that is amazing. Like the camera, yeah. especially going through like the old castle section, like they do so well. And Monaco is iconic. Every part of that track is iconic and could be photographed and shown in amazing amazing resplendent like uh just majesty but the people who run that are just like nah we're just gonna like kind of aim it down this straightaway (laughs) which like there's one straightaway on monaco so you don't even get to see the cars like all the way down it's just it's upsetting there's no aerial uh footage really that they get in monaco so we'll see i'm excited very excited to see that. Yeah, and it's it's interesting to me because I've I've sensed that over the coming years, Liberty Media will continue to sort of like frame the season mm-hmm. around multiple tent pole races. Like it yes. used to really just kind of be like, okay, Monaco's the big race mm-hmm. of the season. Yeah. And I think we're we're definitely seeing um you know Vegas is going to now be potentially the biggest, the biggest race of the season. Oh yeah. But I I suspect that we're going to get to a point where they will set it up so that it is like every 2 months there is a tent pole race yep. of some kind that's like meant to be an extra grand or extra big event. Yeah. over the course of the season which yeah. uh, to me doesn't seem like a bad bad idea no i think that's fine especially with the longer seasons you do have to have a little bit more longer seasons and peaks weird and valleys yeah. yeah yeah it's necessary um there were a couple of renders there we'll we'll finish up on this there were a couple of renders of the mm-hmm. las vegas circuit that came out that as as much as i was talking shit on it um when you were describing it before seeing what the renders look like that's going to be a beautiful race that's going to be a really interesting one to watch the spectacle of it the race itself to be determined but most likely not that interesting yeah uh especially with red bull performing the way that they are Ugh, it might not be an interesting race at all uh by the end of the season yeah but we'll see 
We will see. Uh, I do agree with you, though, Johnny. The it's going to look great on camera. It's going to look great on exactly. camera with the Bellagio fountains and then whatever this like giant glowing MGM orb that's yeah, still that being built that <sighs> should be finished in time. And then, the, yeah. you know, the building that is shaped, you know, in the form of the F1 logo, like yeah. in a in a way like that's it should all be just, you know, appropriately ridiculous. Mm-hmm. Which I think, again, this is like with the Oscars, uh, with uh, this ESPN deal, uh, with the Vegas renders, like with even this week of not having a race, I think the stock has continued to climb as well, Johnny. I think it's like damn near through the roof. We keep saying the stock is rising and rising and rising, and it is, and it's going to continue to do that, uh, and I'm excited for it. All right. We've gone long this week, Johnny, but you know what? We had a lot of trash in that trash corner (laughs) and you can't just leave a trash corner unattended because then the trash corner will spill out into the rest of the house and the the rest of the house is so nice oh it's so nice and proper we got to keep the trash you can't put you can't put uh 70 minutes worth of trash in a 45 minute sized bag exactly exactly uh all right well let's uh let's let's wrap this up with uh some predictions for jetta what do you think where are we at johnny who's gonna podium next week who's gonna be the surprise top 10 finish um what what are your thoughts okay i think we're gonna see Red Bull maybe not qualify as dominantly, but mm-hmm. then pull it out in the race. That's my yeah. That's my that's my call. It won't be as shattering a victory as Bahrain was, yeah. um, which will create some temporary optimism for the sport exactly. as a whole, and maybe exactly. maybe cool down some of the the panic that we've seen. Uh, otherwise, I'm going to say. The surprise of the race or the the story will be Alonzo getting in between Max mm-hmm. and Checo. That's mm-hmm. that's my call. Yeah. What uh what do you think is gonna gonna shock us next I week? I think ooh, we've got someone pulling up outside my house, blasting some really great music, I'm sure. Uh, whatever. Uh, you're you're good. I I perfect. I don't I don't hear a thing. You're, you're fantastic. Uh, so I think I genuinely believe because Alonzo is not going to get bogged down in that first lap nonsense that he got bogged down in uh, mm-hmm. by getting hit by his own teammate. I guarantee Stroll doesn't hit him this week. Uh, but I do believe that we are going to see a Fernando Alonso victory. I think. Wow. I think Alonso already. Yep, already. Yep. I think be- because of his ability to push that car, because of his ability to push a car under such restrictive circumstances, Jeddah is a pretty new track. Not a lot of people are familiar with it. He is so good at placing that car exactly where it needs to be. I think he qualifies on the front row, and I think that he battles with Max in the first few corners. Max has one of those perfect little meltdowns uh and then Mm -hmm. maybe even sabotages his own race uh but i think that Mm. we're going to see alonzo win it i think we may see george russell on the podium because george Mm. russell is just so consistent and uh, again in a street circuit i think he can navigate whatever nonsense he has to navigate 
and I think we're going to see Carlos Sainz on the third step of that podium. No, wow. the second step. Let's say Carlos Sainz second step. I want to say that the Red Bulls don't even make it to the podium. That they don't even make it to the podium this week. Are we talking reliability or mechanical failure of some kind? I'm thinking maybe something like a race incident with Perez. And I'm thinking a racing incident with Verstappen on that first lap. Uh, I don't think it'll be a reliability issue because they've got those engines managed. But I do think that there are going to be some shunts and bumps in the first few laps of that race that might take out Verstappen or see Verstappen take himself out because he's so frustrated with how wow. competitive Alonso is on that first couple on those first couple of mm-hmm. laps. Um, so I think, yeah, I think we're going to see Alonso win it. I think we're going to see Carlos Sainz second. And I'm hoping, wishing, and praying we see George Russell on that third step of the podium. I think Lewis, either Lewis or George will be on that podium, I think, this this round. Mm. I think. Wow. I have faith. I have faith. Oh, God. Watch I, out. Uh, next week. <laughs> I think, uh, I, hey, I love it. I, I love your, your if, if it goes that way, I'll be very happy. Yeah. Uh, but I, I think you're just trying to undo the in, intense negativity that has yeah. got everybody spiraling at yeah. the moment. But yeah, if I'm honest, let's do it. Let's, let's make it happen. Let's one, make two, it happen. and Alonzo finishes third. But I, I want it to no, be. No, yeah, no, yeah, no, yeah, no, yeah, no, 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 no. I like, I like, I like, I like it the other way. Yeah, I like yeah. it the other way. Yeah, me too. Me too. Uh, all right. Well, Johnny, where can the folks find you out there in the world? Uh, you can always track me down via my home base of johnnymotion.com. Corey, where can the folks find you? You can track me down at Burn Corey Burn on all the social media stuff. Uh, we're also the F1 Files on Twitter, the F1 Files on Instagram, and the F1 Files on TikTok, which I've been posting a whole bunch on TikTok, y'all. I am in the, I am doing it. I am going for it. I'm really earnestly going to try to post damn near every day so follow us on tiktok uh for the absurdity uh little clips of this podcast and maybe we'll throw some like other stuff in there too i don't know we'll wet we'll wet the audience's appetite uh but yeah like subscribe follow refer all that stuff tell your friends tell your family tell your enemies to listen to this podcast uh yeah uh folks we are going to catch up with you and I swear to God, you will catch up with us the next time on The F1 Files. Boo!